Welcome to A Better HR Business, the podcast that looks at how HR consultants and HR tech firms grow their businesses and how they help their employers to get the best out of their people. Remember, for show notes and downloads, go to www.getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. That's getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. Okay, let's get started. Hello, welcome back. Thanks very much for joining me today. And welcome again to Melissa Shane. Melissa joined me recently to talk about the basics of small business accounting. And she's very kindly returned to the show, this time to talk about how to choose the right business entity in the US for your business. So Melissa, thank you very much for coming back. Oh, glad to be back. I'm surprised you're not sick of me yet, but you know, we'll, we'll get through this. Oh, no. Endless topics to talk about all the time. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, so folks, if you missed the uh, small business accounting episode, Melissa, uh, she's on a mission to help business owners understand their financial statements. And so she's a CFO turned entrepreneur uh, and she has formed the business numbers and tech. She's got an MBA and an accounting degree. Uh, and she's got a unique background, having worked inside both corporate and startup companies, helping them to do their accounting and grow profitable businesses. So definitely go and check out that previous episode on the accounting side of things. But today we're going to look at the, the tricky issue of how to structure your business. If firstly, you're thinking of leaving corporate, so leaving your corporate role uh, and going out and forming your own business in the HR world, whether that's a recruitment business or training company, general estate HR firm, whatever it may be. And then secondly, if you're already out there running your own business, perhaps you're looking at some of the other business entities and you're wondering, well, am I still in the right type of entity? So these are the kinds of things that Melissa is kind of going to walk us through. And again, Melissa has gone to some great effort to put together some slides. So if you're listening to this uh, via the podcast, just know that if you go to the website, so getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast, you'll see the, uh, the, the link to the video version of this as well. So, Melissa, I will pass it over to you so we can uh, work through choosing a business entity. Great. Thank you, Ben. I'm happy to be here and try and help demystify some of the business entity options that we've got in the United States. So, like you said, there, I do have a few slides here. So, if uh, it's easier for you rather than jotting down notes, let's go ahead and get started. There's a couple things to consider though, whether um, you've got a side hustle, you're brand new to your business, or even if you've been in business for years and years, you can still always make changes. You're not just stuck into one structure. So some of the items to consider and to ask yourself, are you running the business by yourself or do you have partners or other people that you're um, in cooperation with? Also to consider is how much personal liability do you wanna have? If you're not an individual who has um, a lot of assets at this point in their life, and that might not be that big of a deal to you, but if you're someone that possibly owns a home or has other assets or you know, built up some savings or retirement, then that personal liability is gonna be a, perk your ears up a little bit and say, oh yeah, I didn't even think about protecting that. And then also what state is your business in? That can affect your structure and your requirements. So most individuals start out as a sole proprietor for a couple of reasons. It's just a single owner. It's the simplest structure. Um, many times you just start working, that's it. 
you just start working in your name. Some states do require you to file a DBA or an ABN. Those stand for like doing business as or assumed business name. It's typically just a small anything from free to maybe $100 to file that form with your state. Usually go out to your Secretary of State website, and that's where you can typically find this kind of information. Of course, you can also reach out to um, lawyers. They're going to be a little bit more expensive, but they can also help you wade through this too if it just makes you too nervous to do it on your own. As a sole proprietor, you are entitled to all the profits, but you're also responsible for all your debts, losses, liabilities. You and the business are the same entity, the same thing. So because of that, it can make it harder to raise money. You know, it's kind of hard to get investors if they're just investing in you and not in the business. And banks oftentimes hesitate to loan money to sole proprietors because they're not only loaning to whatever service or business you have, but also taking on your personal risk. So it's pretty difficult to get any kind of loan too. The easy side is in the US, the taxes are still just due April 15th. You fill out a Schedule C for your income taxes, nothing separate. It's, it's very simple. So then if you're thinking of maybe graduating onto the next level, what does that mean? That would be a limited liability corporation. It's kind of like a combination between a sole proprietor and then, you know, a typical corporation that we're all aware, aware of. It separates personal assets from the business assets, as well as separating the liability, which is very nice. There's a big caveat here, though. We've maybe heard that term pierce the corporate veil. What that means is, let's say you do become an LLC, but all you did was file the paperwork. You're not acting like an LLC. And if a creditor comes against you personally and you say, hey, no, you can't attack my personal assets, my house, my savings account, my retirement, the court's going to ask you, did you have a separate bank account? Did you keep your personal and business expenses and income separate? Did you really operate your business separate from yourself? And if a court finds that you did not, if they see that you were going to McDonald's and you were buying clothes at Nordstrom and you, they're going to say, we're going to allow this creditor to pierce the corporate veil and go directly to you. And you're going to take on that liability. So it's kind of the next step. Make sure if you become an LLC, you don't just get the LLC logo and that's it. You need to, you need to walk the walk and, and do that, which means get a separate bank account for your business. Also make sure to get an EIN, an employer identification number for your business. You can get an EIN right on the irs.gov website. It's completely charge. There's no cost. Please don't pay some other business entity to get the EIN for you. It takes about 10 minutes online. You'll have it instantaneous. Um, the profits and the losses from an LLC 
still through do pass through to your personal income tax return. So this is where um, I say it's kind of like this, this middle step. You're still going to have taxes due April 15th. You're going to fill out a Schedule C. So it's going to be on your tax return, and it's going to be at your income tax rate. So once again, make sure you start with your Secretary of State website or contact a lawyer to create your LLC. I know in many states, it's anywhere from $100 to $200 to create an LLC. Um, some states, you have to file an annual return that just, they want to know, is the business still active? Because if you don't file that annual return, they're going to assume the business isn't active and they're going to put that name back out there to use. So always make sure you file that annual return. Some states, it's completely free to file this annual return saying, yes, my business is still active. And like I'm in the state of Idaho, it doesn't cost anything. I have clients in the state of California. It's $800 a year to file that report. Wow. So there's a big swing. So really check with your state to see what the requirements are. Um, and the last thing about an LLC is much like a sole proprietor, you still take an owner draw. You don't like to take a true payroll check, meaning payroll taxes are taking out of that. You can have employees and the employees you'd still have as payroll taxes and paychecks. But as an owner, you, you, the owner of an LLC is the same. There's no separation there. So that gets a little, a little tricky. Now an S-Corp, this is kind of the next step. To become an S-Corp, you have to file an application with the IRS. If I remember right, it's about four or five pages. It's not a terribly detailed application, but it is just a lot of boxes to check and to make sure. You can download it on the IRS website, or once again, you can come to uh, an accountant or to a lawyer and they can file it for you. Especially with the pandemic, I'm seeing quite a backlog on this. I'm seeing it take up to six months to get this approved. Really? Pre-pandemic, it still probably took about three months. So if you decide after listening to this podcast, hey, it's a new year, I want to become an S-Corp. You can just be aware to get approved. It's going to take a while. And you can on that application ask them to backdate it back to January 1st. So um, just be aware, it takes a while. The income and the losses flow through to shareholders of an S-Corp. So this is where maybe you're going to own a business with a few individuals. You can have up to a hundred. So you can have a lot of shareholders of an S-Corp, which is once again, where it makes it nice. Maybe you want VC money or investor money. You might say, hey, I'm gonna let you have 10% of my company, 20% of my company. They could become shareholders. So the income and losses are gonna flow through to the shareholders. And this is where the taxes get to be a little bit more complicated and tricky because there's some different tax forms and these have to be filed by March 15th. And those tax forms basically separate out the profit and income to all those shareholders. And then those shareholder tax forms are what you put with your individual tax returns. So it's kind of a two-step approach 
as to how it works. You've got your escort forms and then you've got your individual tax return forms. And so that's where to consider that the cost of filing taxes are gonna be greater if you're an S-Corp than if you were just a sole proprietor or an LLC. But one of the advantages here is that owners can now be an employee of the business. And in the United States, one of the perks of that is now payroll taxes are being taken out of your paycheck. And what that means is you are now contributing to Social Security. So depending upon your views and how you feel in the U.S. about Social Security, which is a whole nother personal <laughs> conversation, some people like to be contributing as much as they can to Social Security because they want that retirement benefit. And then other people are, are have the opinion, I'm not really looking to have Social Security fund my retirement. So depending upon where you fall on that pendulum can affect whether or not you want to be an, an employee of your business. Another thing that is a benefit of being an employee of the business is um, like disability. Um, let's say you have something happens at work and you're an LLC or you're a sole proprietor. There's no workers' compensation or disability insurance you're just out of luck. You've got to tough it out. Whereas if you're an S-Corp employee, you have to have workers' compensation insurance. The federal government um, may give you short-term disability. So you've got a little bit more protection there um, that a lot of people don't think about until they get themselves in a tough situation. There's also the options when you have an S-Corp of now possibly the business can contribute to IRAs. You can open up 401k accounts. Um, health insurance may be a perk that the business is gonna pay for for the employee. You kind of start to think about, um, you know, back if you were an individual that worked for a large corporation and you remember all those benefits and such that you got. Well, now that you're an S-Corp, you could also offer those benefits to your employees, even if that employee is just you, or if that employee is a few people. You don't have to wait till you're this large business. You can kind of have the same benefits as you when you're a small S corp. So those are the three main business structures that that I see. You know, there's the C-Corp, which is typically reserved for the very large, large corporations. And then, of course, there's partnerships. Um, partnerships typically fall in the LLC or S-Corp category. Um, it kind of just depends where the two or three of you are um, in, in how you want to treat each other and how you want the business to operate. There's also LLCs for doctors and lawyers, and those are called triple LPs because they're for professional service providers. So you might hear some of those other options, but these are the three main ones that I would say most consultants and small business owners utilize on a day-to-day -day basis. That's excellent. Very helpful indeed. I guess one of the, the big questions that jumps out would be if someone has employees or is hiring their first employee, does that make sense to become an S-Corp? Um, I would say, you know, you're going to skip the sole proprietor phase and you can either just go straight to an LLC because that might be 
the quickest and most inexpensive way because an LLC can have employees. You as the owner just can't be an employee. You'll just take an owner draw. Um, I often ask, are those employees, and this is just something I see in my mind. I'm like, once you kind of start to have sales in the 100 to $200,000 range, that's when normally I say, make the jump to an S corp. Because typically at that point, um, you as an owner might want to start taking more than just an owner draw. You might want to be a paycheck. And you're also at that point probably trying to look for all the tax advantages and perks that you can take advantage of and not have such a high taxable income for the LLC. So you certainly, I would say, are are fine and safe to start as an LLC. And I have businesses that do millions of dollars that are still LLCs. They have no desire to become an S-corp. But most of the time as a business gets, you know, get into the six figures, then they really start to say, hey, I want to take advantage of as many options as I can. I'm going to become an S-corp. But if you're not ready to kind of get a little bit more complicated, you're safe as an LLC. Got it. And for someone who's who spent New Year's Eve thinking, all right, what, I don't, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? And I need to go and start this <laughs> business. So they're in corporate, they're just about to leave. Uh, realistically, they're, they're going to go for the sole proprietor uh, entity or the LLC. Mm-hmm. How do they make that decision? What, what's best for them, do you think? Um, well, oftentimes I say one, go out to your secretary of state website and search business names and see, is my name available? Is a business name that I want available? And then also ask yourself, you know, today, what assets do I own? If I'm a young person that hasn't even, you know, that I, I don't own any real estate or I don't have anything that's really to my name, and this is awful to say, if someone Mm. sued you, they were going to come after you. If there's nothing for them to come after, then you don't have to be an LLC. But if if you're, you know, into your first house, or you've been fortunate enough to put a little bit of money away in savings and such, and someone would sue you for, and whether they sue you that it's legitimate or not, you still want to have that protection so they can't come after your assets. And it also tells a judge in a courtroom, when I filed that LLC, I have every intent of my business being separate from me. You know, it it, it just goes a long way to show I'm serious. This is, and also to get that EIN, you don't want to be passing out your social security number to anybody that asks for it. So getting that EIN, I think even to your, your first clients and such, if you give them, which here in the United States, it's a W-9 form. And that W-9 form has your legal business name. It has your EIN. You have to tick mark, am I a sole proprietor? Am I an LLC? And I'm S-Corp. It kind of, you're just doing everything to present yourself that I'm serious, legitimate business owner. And I think from my own perspective, from suppliers I've used both in the consulting role and internally as an HR person, uh, I have used both, but yeah, you can, uh, a, a company 
always looks a bit better, I think, than the right. sole proprietor. But look, I, I went through the same process, started off as the sole proprietor and then converted to a company later on. It's a fairly standard exactly. process. And that seems to be the pretty common path. We all kind of start to have, we've come from the corporate world, we have our side clients, and then we kind of start to get bigger and bigger. And, and it's also nice to have that separate bank account. And it just, and, and two, if you're going to start having employees, most payroll companies are going to even require you to be an LLC and to have an EIN. Yeah. Because at the end of the year in the U.S., your employees get a W-2 that says how much they got paid. And that W-2 has to have all the business information on it. They're not going to put your social security number on that. They're going to put the business ID. So just as you grow and start to offer more services and benefits, you're going to find the world's going to tell you, you have to do this. You can probably hold off for a while, but if you really start expanding, you're going to need, you're just going to find there's a point you have to become an LLC. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, Melissa, you've covered so much ground and it's been very helpful indeed, I'm sure. So if people want help with this or want to learn more, what should they do next? Sure. They, of course, can go out to the numbersandtech.com website. We have uh, contact information. We have articles. There's also links to our Instagram account for Numbers and Tech, where we have daily tips for this kind of information and any other kind of financial details, as well as I have a Numbers and Tech podcast if they want to listen more. Yep. Very cool show indeed. Excellent. Well, Melissa, thank you very much for joining me a second time. I really appreciate it and, and for sharing your knowledge and your time. Really appreciate it. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us today on A Better HR Business, the podcast that explores the world of HR consulting and HR tech businesses. For show notes and downloads, go to www.getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. That's getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. Remember to subscribe and share the show with any friends who are busy growing a HR business. Thanks and see you next time.